Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. I'd like to wish all the fathers here a happy Father's Day. And uh, Yancey asked me before, he didn't know how we were speaking on what I'm speaking on this morning on Father's Day. But it just so happened my turn came on Father's Day. So what we're going to talk about this morning is what is racism? You know, the songs that Dusty and Yancey led lead into this very perfectly. If you boil it down, it all talks about loving each other. Love one another. Yancey brought this up at the teaching team meeting. and I, I, uh, The reason he brought it up was the whole Donald Sterling situation with the L.A. Clippers that made some racist comments and was eventually forced to tell his team basically by the NBA for the racist comments that he made. Well, when Yancey brought it up, I go, well, I don't know how much the Bible actually talks about this. I don't know if the Bible actually talks about this. I don't know how much it actually does. So I went home and started studying. I was very skeptical about giving this lesson at first. But as I got to studying more and more and more, I believe this is something that needs to be taught. And I've picked up a wealth of knowledge from the Bible on this subject. And the only way I believe we can solve problems is to teach about those problems. And I believe this is a problem in our nation today. Now, do I think everybody, every time somebody claims racism, that it's in fact racism? No, I don't believe that at all. I believe it's gotten to a point where it's easy to claim that. But today, what we're going to look at is what is actually racism, and what does the Bible and God have to say about racism? And you may be surprised how much it actually says, how much he actually says in his word. You know, whenever I first started looking into this, I looked up, Things that people thought were racist. And whenever I started looking that up, these were the top four pictures that I found on racism. First, we have the Ku Klux Klan, a white supremacist group. That was one of the top things that people thought were racist. And I agree, they are racist. I will admit that. I I believe that, most of them. I'm not going to say that for every one of them. I don't generalize people that way. But if you look at their creed and all that stuff which I looked into, which I'm not going to bring up this morning... It seems to be based on racism. The next one was Hitler and the Nazis. And everybody pretty well agrees that what he did was pretty racist. We all can pretty well agree with that. The next two shocked me that they made the top four on this. Don Imus. Many of you may not even know who this guy is. He's a radio host. And I didn't even know that much about it until I started looking into this lesson. But evidently, he made some racist comments about a women's basketball team on his radio show and was fired. And that's one of the top searches for racism. And of course, then you have Donald Sterling. He was just on top of mind, so I guess that's why he was there as the most searched racist. Who made disparaging comments about Magic Johnson and his girlfriend. But what does the Bible teach about racism? And what are some definitions? You know, a lot of times people associate prejudice with racism. But what is the definition of prejudice? An unfavorable opinion or feeling formed beforehand or without knowledge, thought, or reason. Basically, it's just something you think beforehand with no reason. I'm going to prejudge you because, and there's no reason to to prejudge somebody on that is what it's saying. And then two, it says, any preconceived opinion or feeling Either favorable or unfavorable. Have you ever seen anybody do that favorably to somebody? 
give them something they really didn't even probably deserve, but they just did it because they had a preconceived notion that they deserved it. Sometimes we may feel that way at work. Sometimes we may think people, man, he really didn't deserve that, but they went ahead and gave it to him anyway. They were prejudiced in giving them that. Now, does those mention anything about race? No. But can prejudice be part of racism? Yes. It very well can. But just because somebody has prejudice does not mean they're a racist. The next one we have is discrimination. Is all discrimination racism? Would you say that all discrimination is racism? That's just a flat question. I mean, if it, it either is or it isn't. Well, let's look at the definition. An act or instance of discriminating or of making a distinction. Treatment or consideration of making a distinction in favor or of or against a person thing based on a group, class, or category to which that person or thing belongs rather than on individual merit. And then they give two examples, racial and religious intolerance and discrimination. But does it have to be racial? No. It doesn't have to be. As a matter of fact, I believe the Bible teaches us in certain fact we are to discriminate. You ever heard of the verse, evil communications corrupt good morals? If somebody's doing evil things, should we be around them? No, well, we're discriminating them because we're not wanting to be around them because of what they're doing. Exactly. So discrimination can be a part of racism. The Jim Crow laws in the 60s, separate but equal, those were racist laws, and those were discriminatory. But just because you have discriminations or you're discriminatory towards certain people does not make you a racist. Well, then what does make you a racist? Racism is defined as this. A belief or doctrine that inherent differences among various human races determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to rule others. And the second one is, I believe, most fitting for what we're going to want to talk about this morning. Hatred or intolerance of another race or other races. That's what racism is, as defined by humans. Intolerance based on race. Believing that your race is superior and should have rule over other races. Okay, now that we've learned what man defines as racism, what does God think about it? What does God think about me having racism in my heart? What does God think about me acting on that racism and maybe discriminating against a person based on that racism? Or having a prejudice in my heart just because of somebody's race? Or having a stereotype of someone just based on their race. What does God think about that? And that's what we're going to dive into for a moment here this morning. The origins of race. Where did race begin? Because you know in the beginning God created Adam and Eve. He created two people. So I'm guessing they were of the same race. I can't be positive of that. But they spoke the same language and they can communicate. Then we get a little bit farther into Genesis to the story of the Tower of Babel. And the men there decided they were going to build this great tower to reach the heavens. And this is in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, if you want to read this sometime. And they were going to build this great tower up into the heavens. And God said, no, that's not good. So what did he do? Until this point, there was one language and one race as far as I could find. There was one language and one race. Well, what did God do? 
God confused their language where they could not understand and they were scattered everywhere. So the ones that spoke this language went this way. The ones that spoke that language went this way. And so on and so forth until they just all spread out over the world. Now, I don't know if there are separations of color at this point. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe it was something that happened when they adapted to their climate. Maybe they got a little darker. Maybe they... I don't know. But this is where every biblical historian say that the races began. Why? Because up until this point, they all spoke the same language and they were all in the same area. After this point, they were no longer that way. So there's the origins of race. So he took all these people that were the same and he split them up. So if they all start out as the same, wouldn't he view them as the same? If we all start out the same, just because he split us up, or does that make us any different? Does that make us any better than anybody else? You know, there was a certain man I read doing this study that said, well, white people were better because they got the language that God speaks. <laughs> I, I didn't get that anywhere in that, in that reading. You can read that whole chapter, and I don't believe you're going to find that. It doesn't mention color once in this whole chapter. The only thing it mentions is language. And you think God's going to give somebody a language he doesn't understand? If you're going to learn Spanish, you don't want to learn it from me because I don't know it. I don't know it very well at all. I remember a little bit from Spanish 1 and Spanish 2 in high school, but that's about it. You'd want to talk to somebody that studied a little bit more. So in my opinion, here it's talking about language, not necessarily color. But this is where everybody expands, and this is where races are formed. Well, then we get into this. Is God a racist? You know, many people proclaim that God is a racist because he chose a certain people. He chose the Jewish people in the Old Testament. That was his people. And many, many people claim that he was a racist for this matter. And I, in my study of this, I do not come to that same conclusion. I'll tell you that right now. But I'm going to tell you what made me come to this conclusion here in a couple of verses. First, we look in Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 34. The stranger who dwells among you shall shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. If God was racist, would he teach his children to treat other strangers well? Treat them as one of their own? You know, if you're racist against somebody or you're against somebody, you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, you're not going to want people to treat them well. You're going to want them to feel low. You're not going to want them to feel as one of, the, one of your own and love them as yourself. You're not going to want to do that. But here God commands that. And then if we look in Exodus 12 and verse 48, this is talking about the Passover and one of the most holy days in the Jewish law. But what does God say about this? And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. Would God part in that for any situation if he didn't, lie, if he didn't love them? To me, these scriptures and others prove this. God selected Abraham because of his faith and no other reason. 
It wasn't because he had the right skin color. It wasn't because he had the right skin tone. It was because he was willing to offer his son Isaac, which I spoke about earlier when we were doing Old Testament stories. He was willing to do that. That's what Abraham saw, favor in the eyes of the Lord and for no other reason but that. So God is not a racist God. I believe that with all my heart. But people will tell you that your God is racist. He said the Jews were his only people until the New Testament when he let everybody in. But I do not believe that at all. And I'd be willing to speak with you in that in more detail, but we're going to have to kind of move on. Now we get into the New Testament in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Okay, so Paul's fixing to withstand Peter to the face here. Because he, was, he needed to be blamed for something. Well, what was it that Peter did? For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So what it was, he was eating with Gentiles, and whenever the Jews came in, he goes, oh, nope, he stepped away from the table. I'm not eating with them. For no other reason than they were Gentiles. They weren't of the Jewish nation. And here Paul says he was to be blamed for his racism on that occasion. Because they were not of the Jewish race. He decided, I don't want to be seen eating with these people. And Paul said that was wrong. The fire Holy Spirit said that was wrong. Much of Paul's writing in the New Testament, if you look through it, the New Testament church, much of that deals with racism. And why is that? Well, you have the Jewish people who were taught that they were God's people and started believing it. They started believing they were the only good ones. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus dies and is resurrected, they start letting these Gentiles that we were taught were evil just for being Gentiles. They're going to let them come in? Much of Paul's writing in the New Testament deals with the race relations between the Jews and the Gentiles that were coming in to the fold. You know, there were many Jews that thought the Gentiles needed to be circumcised before they came into the fold of God, because that was the Jewish custom. But if you remember, Paul says there's a, a circumcision of the heart that takes place. Much of Paul's writing deals with racism in very clear terms. That we are not to look down on one another. And the fact that Peter did this, Paul thought enough of it to withstand him to the face. In other words, he got in the face and said, you did this wrong. And not only that, he used a my, in my hometown, this would have been called fighting words. He called them hypocrites. You know why he called them hypocrites? Because they were no different than the Gentiles he was pretending to have nothing to do with. Because if you remember a verse, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all the same in that matter. But they were acting like they were better than somebody else that was a sinner just as well. So they were being hypocrites. Well, then we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, many people go, what, what, what does the Good Samaritan have to do with racism? Well, if you remember how that parable starts, a lawyer came to Jesus. And he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And basically, Jesus says, well, what does the book tell you? 
He says, to love God with all that I have and to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, yes, if you do that, you will inherit eternal life. And then the lawyer, seeking to justify himself, said, well, then who is my neighbor? So he wanted to justify not treating everybody neighborly. He goes, well, who's my neighbor then? Because I know you don't want me to be nice to everybody. Well, then Jesus began the parable. He said, a certain man traveling fell among thieves and was beaten. And a priest came by and passed by on one side. And a Levi came by and passed by on the other. And a Samaritan came and tended to his wounds and gave him water to drink. Took him to an inn, gave the innkeeper money and says, If any more money is required, I'll pay thee on my way back. And then Jesus asked the lawyer a question. He goes, Who among him was neighborly? And the Lord said, Well, I would suggest that the Samaritan. He goes, You have judged rightly. Go and do thou likewise. Everybody's our neighbor. And you know what was really the stickler in this whole bunch? He used a Hebrew priest and a Hebrew Levite that passed by on both sides. And a Samaritan's the one that helped him. If you, learn any, if you study anything about Jewish history, they did not respect the Samaritans at all. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds among them. That, that was playing through Jewish writings of the day. There was even a lady that came to, that Jesus came to, a Samaritan woman, and the woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They thought the Samaritans were below them. And the Samaritan is the one that did what the, the right thing to do. And the more I think about it, the more other verses pop out at me that don't necessarily have this kind of connotation to racism as I was talking about. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here God tells everybody their neighbor. So can you love them like a neighbor? You know the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Can you do that for other people? Treat them a way that you would like to be treated in return? And if you can't do either of those things, the Bible says love your enemies. Can you love them like an enemy? God expects no hate in our heart at all. It's all love. Regardless of what the hate's there for. If it's for race, if it's for something they did to us, there should be no hate in our heart towards anybody. Now as we continue... What about in secret? You know, the Donald Sterling thing is kind of interesting because it was a recorded phone conversation. And there's many people today that say, well, that was something said in private. And it shouldn't be really judged upon by us. And in this country, I agree with that. I agree you could say whatever you want to a private and you probably should not be judged by that. But we also belong to it. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And what does God say about that? Do you all remember the verse we memorized in Ecclesiastes in the very first youth meeting? If not, I have it right up here so it's convenient for you. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So is it okay to be a secret racist? Is it okay to be a racist in your heart? No, because God's going to bring all that out. Is it okay, well, I'm just joking with my buddy a little bit, nobody else hears, is that okay? Or I'm going for the shock value. You know people like that that just like to shock people? 
Every secret thing is going to be judged. And what this tells me is what's in your heart. Your actions can say one thing, but your heart can say a totally different thing. You remember when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees? And he said, you're like a whited sepulcher that's all good and shiny on the outside, but inside it's full of dead men's bones. Or you're like a cup that you wash the outside, but the inside's just as nasty as can be. You know, with kids, you learn this fact very quickly. If I could count the amount of times I found sippy cups under beds, under couches, under tables, and you just kind of open it up, and boy, that sour milk kitchen, you just go, that's not even good to keep anymore. I'm just throwing it away. Because the inside of it was nasty. On the outside, it looked okay. But on the inside, it was just nasty. And that's what God comparing us to. Are we putting on a front for the world where we look good and we look okay? But inside, we have hate for people? That's not a good situation to be in because on the last day, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, will be judged by God. So you may take comfort in nobody knowing, well, I have a problem with hating people. You can take comfort in that, but on judgment day, you have to answer for what's in your heart. Okay, so that brings us down to what God sees. What does God see when He looks at us? Have you ever thought of that? When He looks at all these nations that are just intermingled in the United States, what does He see? I'm here to tell you I believe He sees two things. And I have a verse that I think will back me up on this. If you look in Acts 10, 34-35, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. You know what God sees? God sees a human race. He sees a race He created in His image. Regardless of what color is covering the outside, it's a race that He created in His image. And I was talking to Yancey before services, and I go, how would God feel if we hated something that was created in His image? You know, take race out of it. If you hate your brother, how would God feel if you hated somebody that was created in His image? How would you feel if you created something that was super nice and you gave it to somebody and they're just like, "Ah, I hate it. I hate it. And they really don't have a reason. I just hate it. How do you think God feels when we hate somebody that He created in His image? And the second thing I believe he sees, he sees a race of sinners. We're all different colors, we're all different ethnicities, we all speak different languages, but we're all a race of sinners. And that's where verse 35 comes in. And every nation who fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. If God accepts every nation, why can't I? If God accepts every ethnicity, why can't I? If God accepts everybody, why can't I? That's what God sees. You know, you've heard the statement, God is colorblind, and I believe that. God sees the human race, and He sees a race of sinners that He sent His Son to die for. Not only that, how would you feel if somebody that you sent your son to die for, hated somebody else you sent your son to die for. 
How would you feel about that? I sent my son to die for both of those and they hate each other. Can't be a very good feeling. Now, what can we learn from this? You know, I know this is a touchy subject. I've done my best to kind of be light in it. I haven't really gotten into depth on what racism, what racism actions are. I feel with the kids here, the parents are probably more likely to be want to teach that than me with them sitting here. But what can we learn from the study that we've just done? Well, number one, we are to love our neighbors regardless of if they're neighbors that live next door or they live around the world. It doesn't matter. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's a commandment. That's the second greatest commandment in the Bible is to love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, private conversations or jokes will be judged by God. Are there things you've said in private that you don't necessarily want to be judged by? You know, the more I thought about this and the more I studied this, I thought, I don't have a problem with racism. But the more I thought, the more jokes I've heard, the more jokes I've laughed at, even some of the jokes I've told. Would I want God to judge me by that? Coming out of my heart? See, sometimes we don't think about that. We just think, oh, it's funny. People laugh about it. Or, oh, I'm getting the shock factor. They, don't never, they never know what I'm going to say. But do you think God takes that any less seriously than somebody that's being an outright bigot? You know, in researching this sermon, some of the things they're saying about it right now are just plain flat wrong. I don't agree with the man, all the man's politics. I'll tell you that right now. But some of the stuff that was written about him, some of the pictures I saw while researching this sermon, almost made me sick, made my stomach turn. Because it's just filth, is all it is. If you have a legitimate gripe with the president, that's fine. If you don't agree with his policies, that's fine. But some of the stuff was just absolutely, there was no need for it. Would you like to be going up before God going, what about that picture on Facebook you posted of President Obama? What, what about that? What about that conversation you had with your coworker about Obama? Our private lives will be judged by God, including the actions we take towards each other. We are all in the same boat. Regardless of my color of my skin, the language I speak, the continent I come from, I am a sinner. And God sent His Son to save me. Just like God sent His Son to save the people in Nigeria we help support. God sent His Son to help the people in India we support. God sent His Son to save the people in Mexico, the people in Latin America, all over the world. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners and God sent His Son to save us. We're, not, we're no different. The wrapping might be a little bit different, but we're no different in heart. We're all sinners and we all need God. If our heart is filled with hate, we cannot please God. And that, that's really what this whole sermon boils down to. If you hate your, anybody for any reason, you cannot please God. Because God said, love your enemies. Now, I'm not saying that fuzzy, feely type of love where you get all emotional over, but you treat them with respect. You treat them with dignity, and you treat them how you would like to be treated. And that's what God expects of us. You don't have to go be best friends with anybody you don't necessarily want to. But God expects you to treat them with dignity, people with dignity, with respect, and with love. 
He doesn't expect you to bash people. He doesn't expect you to hate people. Treat them with dignity, respect, and love. Now, it doesn't have to be the kind of love where you're falling all over yourself for them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you treat them. Treat them with love. Treat everybody with love, regardless of who they are or where they came from. Treat everybody with love. So at the beginning, I had this slide, what is racism? And my conclusion is racism is is a disease of the heart. We have hate in our heart for somebody that's for one of God's created. We have hate in our heart. And that is not a good thing. We shouldn't have hate in our heart for no man, only love. As God loved us, so should we love other people. And God loved everybody enough to send his only son to die for them. So I should not have hate in my heart for anybody. Only love, respect, and to treat them with dignity. And that's what God expects us to do. I know this has kind of been a heavy kind of sermon on Father's Day, but there's one more thing I would like to add. Fathers, you want to know how you, if you want to stop racism, stop teaching it to your kids. You know, Dennis Leary, he's a, he was a comedian in the late 90s. He had a bit on racism. You know, he said, nobody is born a racist. I have a four-year-old son. The only thing he hates is naps, and that's the only thing he hates. That's a learned behavior. You want to stop racism? We need to stop teaching our children racism. And eventually we will wipe it out. And I'm not talking about people that will call you a racist just because you differ in their opinion. You know what God says and you know how to treat other people. And what other people say about you does not matter. What if we encounter a racist? What are we to do? Love your enemies. What if you see somebody else being the target of racism? You know, this, was, this ha- actually happened at my job. We had one African-American man, and the rest of us were all Anglo-Americans. And they decided at lunch, uh, well, nobody's going to eat with him. And some of the things they said about him were not right. They were just flat evil. So me and a couple of other guys decided, we'll just go sit at lunch with him and not listen to that anymore. The cure for racism is love. Have love in your heart and not hate, and that'll cure racism, and that'll cure just about every other problem you have. If you have, don't have hate in your heart, you can please God. But if you have hate in your heart, it's impossible to please Him. I know this may not be as easy to do as to say, because some of us, I know a man that was raised... 40 years thinking that every race but the white race was inferior to him. Because that's what everybody taught him. And it can be hard to change. But change is possible if you come to the one and only living God. You give him your heart. And you put the hate aside and fill your heart with love. You can change your ways. It may not be easy. You're not going to be perfect at it. Racism is just like every other sin. Jesus died to wash it away. It's no different than any other. But we need to make sure we handle it. That way we're not judged by that on the great final day. In other words, 
Instead, we're judged by the fact that Jesus died for us and we let his blood wash away our sins. If we can help you this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?